All right, guys, you know how much we love you, but you've been letting down our friends at Strava Craft Coffee lately. So they said, hey, that's on us. Let's up the ante. Yeah, they raised it up to 25% off. That's 25% off your, your order at Strava Craft Coffee when you use the code DNVR25. Uh, it's incredible. We have it at the bar in, in cold brew form. You can have it sent straight to your door. And then once you have it and you love it, you can actually sign up for a subscription where they will send it straight to your door every two, four, six, or eight weeks. That CBD infused coffee right at your door. You won't have to worry about putting in your credit card and you'll continue to get a great discount, 20% off every single time. So check out our friends over at StravaCraftCoffee.com. <laughs> Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver online. As you know, the absolute best place to get an education online, msudenver.edu slash online is where you can scope out all they have to offer. And their students work twice as many hours as students attending any other Colorado institution. So if you're looking to get that education furthered while working a full-time job, and hopefully on the other side, get an even better full-time job, MSU Denver is the place for you. My boys, what is shaking, my friends? Not much, man. It's been a while since we did an audio-only podcast. Hopefully, we can get some of those uh, the video lovers uh, to come over and download the podcast as well. I'm sure some people will be disappointed. Yeah, I'm like, wait, there, there's not a video component with podcasts? And I'm like, no, 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 no. We, we, podcasts are, are all audio. <laughs> this is the original thing. Although if it were original, we'd be doing this in person. But uh, uh, Zach, feeling a little bit under the weather today. But fortunately, Zoom wor- still works just fine when we have to do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I'm just I'm just pumped that I can still be on today. <laughs> Uh, if we were, if it was the the true old school, although this is taking us a little bit back to our roots, so we'd be, you know, set up on my couch with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the old Focusrite red board, trying to hold our mics nice and steady <laughs> so they don't make any noise. Yeah. Wow. TBT. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna throw it even further back, Ryan, and go into a little closet that the Broncos set us up in. Oh, I mean. Can't even call it a broom closet. It was uh it was a technology closet. Yes, just yes. like a room for AV equipment and cords and like some system that news stations use to send right. video. Right. Like like it's been a, like it was like the cloud before the cloud. Like they have to send it over some like power line. I don't even know how it works. It was uh I believe it was a setup for a microwave transmission so they could just so work within like 30 miles of the station so they all had that set up and they could take live press conferences and that way they didn't have to come they didn't have to send a truck down to dove valley 
every time they wanted to do a live shot. And so, so we were microwaving that, ourselves in that room. Eh, you, could, you could say so. And then also <laughs> wow. that that's that a direct a lot. There's also a direct connection back to uh, iHeart and KOA in there, which is, you know, how they can take like coach interviews. And then back in the orange and blue 760 days, sometimes I, I did my part of radio shows right there in that broom closet, just hooked into the studio. So it's like I was there. It's, it's had a, a lot of functions for a long time. Do they know that they can just record the video on an iPhone and then just send it to someone? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it, well is it was crazy. It, it's been, the, the, the transmission to send the stuff that has been there, that that's been there forever. Like I think but they still use it. Yeah, well, they still use it because some because it's there, right? Why not use it? And it allows them to go live. Like if there's, you know, if there's a coach firing or a coach hiring and they have to take the press conference, it's not, you can't really get as reliable connection over on uh, your iPhone as you can <laughs> with that. So that's uh, why, that's why that, yeah. Got this VCR here. I might as well throw in an old Three Ninjas <laughs> oh, movie and watch it. <laughs> uh, oh, anyways, speaking of uh, throwbacks, uh, vibes in Broncos country throwing us back to last season this week. Um, three and I've never seen a three and one fan base more upset. Um, now again, there is I, I've never seen a three and one team have less quality wins um so i get it you know there there's there is reason for people to be upset especially since it was always a build up to week four that's the litmus test that's the litmus test that's the litmus test they couldn't have failed the the litmus test really any more miserably um yesterday was a nice distraction with vic fangio and john harbaugh exchanging blows but i think that there's um a real angst uh, sitting over Broncos country today about whether this team is for real, whether they're, you know, going to get it done this week in Pittsburgh. And honestly, this division is messed up, man. Um, 10 wins could potentially get you last place in this division. <laughs> yep. yep, exactly. And Ryan, that's why on the football field, there's a lot of concerns, but I look at this AFC West standings and you have the Broncos who started three and O who three days ago were the top team in the AFC tied with the undefeated Raiders. And I look at it today, Tuesday morning, you have the Broncos three and one, the chargers three and one, the Raiders three and one. And the worst team in the division is the Kansas city chiefs at two and two. And so you look at this game and guys, the Broncos were undefeated 72 hours, 48 hours ago, actually. And you look, if they lose to the Steelers and the Chiefs take care of business against the Bills next Monday night, which is going to be a tough game or maybe it's Sunday night for them to do. If they win that, then the Broncos will have gone from first in the entire AFC to an eight game or to an eight day stretch where they fall to potentially tied for last in the division. Pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. So I guess that leads us to the question. Where are you guys landing on this? Uh, Mace, I'll start with you. Are the Broncos for real? Are they fraud? Are they somewhere in between? I mean, would you define somewhere in between as contending for the last playoff seat? Kind of yeah. in that great muddled middle? Uh, that, that's No, contending for the last playoff seat to me is for real. Okay, I mean, you're getting into the dance. You're for yeah. real. Oh, were the Bears for real last year? They probably should have won that game. So <laughs> yeah, see, like I, the thing is, like you can be 
playoff seed number six and now it's number seven and not be a great team. And I, I look at the Bears last year's playoff seed uh, number seven. I think back to the Bills back in 2017, the Titans uh, right around right around the same time. Um, you can be kind of a, a middling team and still work your way into the playoffs. And that's really where I think the Broncos are. I think they're going to be that. I think I still think they're going to be that that nine and eight, 10 and seven type team that ends up seizing the last seed. And I think in the midst of that, they will, you know, maybe they're not going to go three and three in this, in this six game stretch, but I still think that they're, that they're going to beat Washington at home. I think they'll pick off either Pittsburgh or Las Vegas in the next couple of games here. And then you beat Philadelphia on the backside of that. And you're six and four, at the bye, and you're right there with all the possibilities in front of you, even if you're just a, you know, a 500 or even a game below 500 team the rest of the way. So, yeah, I, I think th- I, I think they're for real. If you define for real as all right, they they have a, a decent chance of sneaking in and getting one of those last wild card seats. Yes. In in our Broncos pick'em that we released just before the Ravens game, I said the Broncos had to go two and two in the next four games, and for the in order for them to be for real in my eyes, that'll put them at five and two after their first seven games, and that will also mean that they have beat a couple of good teams in this four game stretch. And look, it all comes down to this Steelers game for me because the Steelers are by far the worst of these four teams, even playing them on the road. Uh, now we, we find out this morning that Ben Roethlisberger has a hip injury or a hip issue, I think is what Mike Tomlin called it. So he's not going to be a hundred percent if he even plays. And when he's a hundred percent guys, he is not the Ben Roethlisberger of old. This Pittsburgh Steelers team has some talent in places, but they just as a team, they're not a great team. So they are beatable. And if you lose this game, then you've dropped two of the four games in this stretch. And then you have to go win probably maybe the toughest two games of this stretch, the Raiders, and then certainly the toughest game, the Browns on Thursday night in Cleveland. And that just may be too tall of a task. So that's why, because the Broncos dropped that game against Baltimore, this game is is everything because then I think the Broncos, if they win this game, they can beat either. They, they probably have to beat the Raiders in order to go two and two, but they could do that. Look, we saw the Raiders be absolute garbage in the first half last night against the Chargers. Uh, still, they have talent as well, but the Broncos could win that game. If they drop this game, oh boy, guys, it's going to be a very concerning stretch for the Broncos where it wouldn't be crazy to say that they lose their next four games. You know that Ben Roethlisberger has uh, 14 interceptions in his last 10 games, guys. It's not including good. Wow. including the playoff game against Cleveland, where he had four. Lock thinks that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a bit, and, and you look at Pittsburgh, and I mean, you know, they threw they threw 40 times against Green Bay, which I mean, I guess you can live with. They threw 58 times against the Bengals the week before. They're not equipped to do this. Ben isn't not. equipped to do this anymore. He will not get up off the turf if they throw it 58 times in this game. Yeah. I mean, that is just – we we talk about the Broncos coaching staff failing uh, specifically Drew Locke in the second half. That Mike Tomlin and his coaching staff is failing Ben Roethlisberger this entire season. Yeah. Uh, I So, for me, you know, to uh, quote the late Dennis Green, I think I think he has passed. Is that correct? 
Uh, yes, he has passed know. on. Yeah. Uh, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> I mean, this they, they're good enough to be bad teams and not quite good enough to be really good teams right now. I, I think that's what we expected. Um, now, I honestly was kind of refreshed that they were good enough to beat the bad teams because going into the season, I don't think that was a guarantee. And I realize it's easy to look back now and say, well, look how crappy these teams were. Of course they beat them. Like, I wasn't well, all that confident in that before the season started. Well, Ryan, to your point, I had the Broncos dropping one of the first three games of the season. I didn't know why, but it was for that exact reasoning. We haven't seen a Broncos team that consistently beats the teams they should be. We, we haven't seen that until this year so far. Right, exactly. So to me, it's like, okay, thank God they got that done. Um, I, we all expected them to lose to the Ravens, uh, I'm pretty sure, when we went through and, and made our season predictions. And so now they're looking at a Steelers team that's worse than we thought they were going to be. Um, and, and the Broncos have another great chance here. So for me, I'm like I said, I think on, on Monday's show, I'm kicking myself a little bit for let uh, for letting go of my prove it mode because they really haven't proved anything yet. Um, but at least they proved to us they can beat teams they should they should beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. In fact, they almost beat them last year with Jeff Driscoll at the helm. Um, so they they really should get the job done, whether it's Drew or Teddy. Now, as I said yesterday, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna uh, falter in that either. I don't I'm not gonna predict them to win if Drew Locke's a starting quarterback, um, just because you know we haven't seen him. He didn't look very good, uh, and he, he, uh, the team didn't look very good around him when he was out there. And Pat Shermer, I still don't think, knows how to call plays for him. So all that taken into consideration, I think that this is a team who still has to prove that they're for real. But I don't think they're frauds. Uh, I think that there's a big gap between those things, and I think they're closer to for real than they are to fraudulent. Uh, but this game against the Steelers is everything for the narrative um, because then you go from having all this grace to staring down the barrel of three and three and completely erasing all the work you did in the first three games of the season. So they got to get this one done. And then, uh, and then, you know, that changes so much. If your options going into the Raiders games are, are, are five and one and four and two, everyone feels good about either of those numbers. Yep, exactly. And Ryan, if you drop this game and you drop the Raiders game, it only takes you four more days to drop to three and four. Then you're on a four-game losing streak. And then things are completely off the rails. And that's when people are legitimately talking about, you know, coaching staff change, big coaching staff changes, uh, and maybe quarterback changes as well. And just to put it in perspective on how bad the Steelers are, guys, the Broncos have a positive plus or, or a positive point differential still. Uh, they have eight point they score eight points per game more than they give up they they score 20 points per game on average give up 12 points per game on average that's incredible the baltimore ravens they only score three more points than they give up but they're still in the positive the pittsburgh steelers are minus seven points per game they are scoring an average of 16 points how about that for a, a Ben Roethlisberger-led team scoring 16 points, and they're giving up about 23 and a half points per game. So th this is a team that they're losing by an average of a touchdown per game, and they, they've lost every single 
home games so far this year, and they're on a three-game losing streak. They are a bad team. Yeah, they're a bad they're a bad team, but you know what? I'd probably feel better about this if this bad team's ledger had the name, say, New York Jets or Houston Texans or Cincinnati Bengals next to it. You know, uh, I really it does uh, have that. Yeah, I, I really think uh, that basically one of the things, and it, it's 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 not analytical, and and it kind of goes against a lot of what I think is that they're the Pittsburgh Steelers and oh, they're an organization that has a lot of success equity built up over the years. And so when they start one in three and they go three games without breaking 17, without surpassing 17 points, you still think where, well, they're the Steelers, right? I mean that right. they, they always figure this out. Even when they're bad, they're like eight and eight bad They're over the years. They're not, they're not a team that craters like these other teams do yet when you sit down and watch them, their 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 offense can't run the ball. I mean, Najee Harris was expected to 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 be a huge contributor to that. They're feeding him the ball in the passing game. He's actually leading him in receptions right now, but he's averaging three point four yards a carry. He's averaging three point four yards a carry because they're not getting any push up front right now. It's and that's another thing. You think of the Steelers, you usually think great offensive line, right? Not this team. The Broncos yeah. should be able to get plenty of push from their front seven against these guys. Yeah, they should. Wish- and, and, and Mace, I think the thing that that just also sticks with that Pittsburgh Steelers singer when I think of them and why I just get a little hesitant mm-hmm. is just the talent. Big Ben can go for 500 yards in a game. He can go for 400 yards in a game. Najee Harris, he's incredibly talented. And then on defense, they have so much talent led by TJ Watt. So it, it is just a team where if you look at the Jets, Okay, I mean, yeah, they have a rookie quarterback. That's it. You you look at the Jaguars. Okay, they have a rookie quarterback. Maybe those teams will be good in a while. But you, you, there's nothing that really scares you. There are some things that scare you. But geez, like you said, when you watch the tape, when you look at everything, they're just not good. And you mentioned Mace that like their team that when the even when they're bad, they're still eight and eight. And I mean that probably holds up over time. But right now, I would say. The past few years, that's been because they have a franchise quarterback. And usually when you have a franchise quarterback, you don't dip to the the complete depths of the league. The question is, is Big Ben still a franchise quarterback? He certainly doesn't look like it right now. But what worries me about the way that Vic Fangio calls his defense is I think it's really, really effective against average to bad quarterbacks and puts you in dangerous spots against guys who can make throws. And I still think Ben can make throws. And he still had, you know, he didn't stop learning how to read the field. He still has that sort of thing. So what, what this bend don't break defense does is it gives up some yards and, and then it tries to bow its back once you get into the red zone. But top tier quarterbacks are able to diagnose the holes in those zones and then make those throws against the zones in, you know, when you get in closer. So if there's a way that the Broncos lose, I think it's by allowing too many easy completions for Big Ben, just in the same way that they did uh, for Lamar Jackson last week. And I'd love to say that they, you know, um, are going to get after the passer. But how many times have we been wrong about that? When we say like, 
oh, this is a banged up offensive line. They should be able to get after the passer. And for whatever reason, especially in the Vic Fangio era, they don't actually get after the passer. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're they're there. They're getting pressure, but they're not always they're not always finishing. Now, now Roethlisberger's been sacked ten times this year, so but that you know, so teams have gotten to him. But that being said, we all know that Ben can kind of create plays with his feet. And and remember, you know, in the midst of all this with the Steelers, the last time they went eight and eight, guys, remember that was the Mason Rudolph and uh, Duck Hodges season, and they actually went eight and six with those guys starting. The believe it or not, the, the thing that concerns me most. It's just how resourceful Mike Tomlin is when he figure once he figures out like where his team is deficient, he does a good job at masking those deficiencies. Now, when that happens, that means they change their tactics a little bit. And is this the moment where they kind of shift their, their game plan to kind of account for what they're lacking, but they're lacking in terms of Ben Roethlisberger's, you know, declining accuracy and what they're, and, and ability to get downfield and what they're lacking in terms of that push from the offensive line. When they start game planning around it, everyone's going to have to adjust. And if they make that adjustment this week, then the Broncos might be planning for something that isn't on film or that Ron- something that's on film, but not what they see Sunday. Right. Ronald Darby is eligible to come back this week, but as Vic Fangio said, they're probably going to be a little more cautious with him since he's coming back with the hamstring. So I wouldn't expect him to play, which means the Broncos will be rolling out the same secondary that they had last week. And that secondary got torched by Lamar Jackson, a a running quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger is the complete opposite of Lamar Jackson. And now one of the things that Von Miller said after the game, which could provide some relief and hope for the Broncos is he said, we're, we're ready to get back to playing a normal offense. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are about as normal and predictable as you get. So that could really help the Broncos secondary. I'm not saying this Broncos secondary is bad, but I'd also be remiss to, to just let Lamar Jackson tear him apart for 300 yards. Just, just fade out of my memory. That's something that that could be concerning, but to, to Ryan's point, Ben Roethlisberger, here's his stats through the first four games. He's thrown 64% completion. Okay, that's fine. Uh, 250 yards per game, one touchdown, and one interception per game. He has 79 passer rating and a 36 QBR. That is, he, he has the name of a franchise quarterback, but he does not have the play of a franchise quarterback. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see I don't know. I'm so I hate that I'm gun shy uh, with these Broncos because it, it feels like with this type of talent on defense and the way that Big Ben has played to this point, you just be able to say like, oh, they're going to make his life miserable back there. And they very well could. But it just feels like it never happens with these guys where you expect it. And then it does. I realize, you know, I guess with rookies and younger quarterbacks like that, it has been. But with these experienced quarterbacks, for whatever reason, it feels like there's always some open guys. There's always a big play out there that, you know, scrape together a couple points and and make things a little more difficult. But I agree with everything you guys are saying. I, I just hate that I, I have this this little bit of, of feeling of, of gun shy. Well, I can't blame you, though, because especially in this particular matchup, you have one team that has a history of recent success and another that doesn't have that to, to lean on. Right. I mean, right. just because the, the Broncos are three and one and the Steelers are one and three, but over the last three to four years, 
which which team do you think is more likely to pl- to to play well in this game or to find something that to kind of dig deep and find something more to to win a game that's an incredibly high leverage game at this point. I mean, really for Pittsburgh, if if they lose and they're one and four and potentially three games back in the division of three teams, their season might well be over here. And that's the other thing. It's again, it's beyond the analytics, but this is going to be a desperate team at home, yeah. prideful team, last stand. I mean, this is it's you know. I, I look at the teams and, and where they are personnel-wise, especially if Teddy Bridgewater plays, and think, okay, yeah, the Broncos should win this game, but there are all these other these this other there's all this other noise that I have trouble getting past right now and having confidence for this Sunday. So, guys, Brian, you said they are who we thought they were in terms of beating bad teams and losing to good teams. Let's go through the schedule really quick and just just off the top of your head where they are right now if they win or lose these games. So Pittsburgh. Win. Win. Okay. Cause they're, they're a bad team. So I, I, I can go with that. Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I want to see what they do this week. Uh, that's fair, but we're doing that. We're doing this. Mace. What do you think? Uh, Gosh, I mean, are you getting are you getting the uh, the the Raiders that uh, came back to beat the Ravens, or are you getting the Raiders that struggled to beat the Dolphins? I mean, here's how I here's how oh. I put it: are the are the Raiders a good team? Not great, not they're they're yeah, a good they're see, a they're, good they're good. Like I I mean, are, maybe we should like divide okay, the we'll AFC say, into, we'll say into loss. tiers. We'll 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 say loss. This is this is quick. Um, the Browns, <laughs> good loss. team. Bad. That they're they're actually they're on the higher tier. There there there's Super Bowl contenders, good teams, and then the, that muddled group of teams that's going to win between like seven and ten games. Washington and the Broncos football are in that team muddled. with Taylor Heineke. They're in that muddled bad. group of teams. Bad, but yeah, it's I'm at gonna home. Say, I'm, I'm going to say bad team win. Dallas on the road, good team loss. Yeah, yeah that's good a team. tough one. Philadelphia at home, horrible win. team. Yeah, that's that's a win. Uh, Chargers at home. So like, here's where Chargers uh, are good. Yeah, they're good. But here's where I just stand on this. I feel like the Broncos are going to split with the Chargers and Raiders one way. I or do another. too. And uh, maybe up by default, you just say the home. They games. both look like good teams right now. I'm just saying if they are who yes. we thought they were, and it truly sticks to that. Yes, the the Chargers are a good team. Okay, Kansas City. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good. Obviously. By the good. way, actually, I'll bring that up in a second go ahead okay detroit uh, at home the bad, bad team bad. what about cincinnati same level as the broncos they're they're in that middle right now they're they're, they're, they're in that, that game that being played denver it's in denver so that's why you'd dub. expect the broncos to win okay because so at home dub. okay yeah, they're not and a then good team at vegas at la and then home to kansas city we'll just assume that right now kansas city is playing their starters and it honestly right now if you had to guess it it kind of looks like they will be so that is five wins that we just came up with uh, of that the Broncos should should win. So that means that they'll be have eight wins. That means can they pull two wins out against teams that they should beat? Right. That Those are doesn't the, seem... the splits with the Raiders and the Chargers. Well, then there you go. And, 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 and that is ten wins. And as we said earlier, that may not even be enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't it's, know what the most – obviously, 17 games changes things. I don't know what the most wins to ever get last place in the division um, has been, but I think that might happen this year in the AFC West. 
has that's the thing I, i'm not sure if there's ever been an eight and eight last place team now do you remember back in uh in, in 2011 when the afc west was so mediocre i'm not going to say bad but the chiefs were last place at seven and nine that year so i mean is that the worst right. is that the best last place team we've ever seen that's a good question I, yeah it is i think they are but they but they were there because the division was so confoundingly average that year on balance that no one could run away and the and the teams just kept be, beating each other left and right and holding each other back right sometimes it's not that it's so good or so bad it's, that it's so equal mm-hmm. um, that yeah. no one can separate yeah old, old fans probably remember the AFC uh central back in the 80s when you had a it seemed like every year most of the, everyone was like eight and eight, seven and nine year after year. And I think the Browns won that division one year at eight and eight. And, you know, it kind of, kind of, it, it, ha- it happens, but uh, yeah, this is, oh man, the, 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 the thing I kind of am looking at, if you divide the AFC into tiers, would you say like the chiefs are in the Super Bowl contender tier right now? They always will be when Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback. Okay. Yep. So then I've got like, I've got basically the tiers like this tier one are the teams that you can legitimately see in LA in February. And I think those are Kansas city, Cleveland, Buffalo, and Baltimore right now. Okay. I don't see Cleveland in there, but that's just me. I could completely see Cleveland in there. Did you say the chargers? See the chargers in Vegas. Yeah. The chargers in Vegas are kind of that next tier there where, one of them's one or both of them might join that group or one or both of them might come back to the pack. I think it's more likely the chargers go up and the Raiders go down. Chargers are there, man. My, my 12 game, uh, my 12 game bet with the RK is locked in. Uh, That's, that's such a win. Oh, and then the, and then the Broncos They never learn. They never learn. (laughs) And then guys, the chargers and then guys, the Broncos are in this cluster, I think with like the dolphins and the Bengals and the Colts and, the Patriots and the Titans, they're just there. And, you know, one of in, and, and that's where it gets interesting. Cause you figure Patriots one are of those, one in three, they're one in three, but they just push Tampa Bay. <laughs> I think they're, yeah, I, I think the, emotion and stuff I like think that. the Patriots are much closer to, and, and, and be, and are in this group. And so are the Steelers probably because that last group is like Jacksonville, Houston, and the jets. Okay. I mean, they suck. Well, yeah, I feel like they're in a league of their own. I would break up the the middle tier that you were mentioning into two, but either way, yeah, I mean, there's there's legit teams and there's okay teams. There's always a couple of those okay yeah. teams who make the playoffs. So that's what the Broncos are really competing to be this year. Um, just real quick, what would you? I don't know if you guys have seen this, um, so just let me know if you have. But have you seen the odds to win the AFC West? No, I have not. No. Where, how would you have the odds? Um, or at least who would you have as the leader and what would you have them set at? I think Vegas would still have the Chiefs winning the AFC, but I would say their odds have come down. Boy, to win the AFC at plus 500? I'd say... You have KC yeah. as uh, plus 500 to win the AFC West? Oh, the AFC West. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd yeah, say I would have. Yeah. I have. I would have KC at minus 
200 right now. Okay. I'd say I'd say Chiefs uh 3 to 2 odds. What does that mean? I don't know. You plus tell one, me what I think it's plus 150. 150. <laughs> you tell me. I mean, I, I I don't know this 100 150 stuff. Okay. Uh anyways, Zach was much more on the same page as me. I would have I'd still have the Chiefs as heavy favorites um yeah. to win the division. Well, they're almost at even money right now at minus 105. Um, wow. Now, again, I wouldn't expect anyone to take this bet if they bet with their heart. But if you bet with your mind, uh, <laughs> I would say it might be a decent bet to take over at DraftKings Sportsbook. There's lots of decent bets to take over at DraftKings Sportsbook. By the way, just found out this morning, um, the Yankees and Red Sox are playing a one-off wildcard <laughs> game against each other. I know. like we, <laughs> I had no we, clue. We were talking about this on, on Sunday in the press box because someone one of, someone who worked for ESPN who was sitting up by uh, Zach by Zach and I and I said and and I said boy uh, the network's going to be really happy about this matchup when it was at once the Red Sox clinched their win over the Nationals and clinched this game and like and, and the woman who worked for ESPN is like yep that's I believe me they are ecstatic this is this is the dream matchup network wise even though it's probably going to take about five hours to play the game. I realize that I've been pretty removed from baseball. I, I always am after the Rockies kind of just fall to pieces. So but, you've been removed since April? Yes, but uh, I had no clue. Like, I even watched SportsCenter last night, and I don't think they brought it up once. Uh, like, I don't know. I thought if they were going to have Yankees-Red Sox, a do-or-die game, it would be like all anyone was talking about. And what yeah, do you think the- they're talking about today? Like, I haven't turned it on yet. They're but talking about Urban Meyer. Of course. They, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. What a disaster. Oh. Uh, I wish What's I could bet on Urban Meyer to be fired very soon. Yeah, there's got to be an over-under on the date, right, that he's that he's out of a job here. Can't you bet on first coach fired? I don't think we do that at DraftKings. Okay. Um, but anyway, they're, they're too humane for it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to go if you want to get in on all of this. Uh, and they always have awesome, awesome deals. Uh, what's the deal this week, Zach? Uh, the deal that they have going is if you bet $1 on any NFL game and they score a point in the game, you get $100 in free bets. And guys, there hasn't been a tie 0-0 game in the NFL since 1943. That was pretty much the last time my University of Denver had a football team. So you're pretty safe with that bet right there. Did they end in a 0-0 tie in their last game and just say, you know what? <laughs> Maybe we should do this. We're going to – would that be walking off on top in, in a weird way? It's like – On top of, like, the record books for worst yeah, ever? Yeah, exactly. The most boring <laughs> game. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, it is kind of crazy to think that a 0-0 tie is a possible result in the NFL. It really, could you imagine paying money for that game? <laughs> how many punts? How many punts can one man endure? I mean, we already had to see 10 this week. Oh, man, that would be brutal. Yeah, you would have like 22 punts in the whole game per team. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, anyways, DraftKings Sportsbook, the absolute place to be. Get in on that deal. Um, and I, I assure you that whatever you bet there will be points scored. You can cash out and get your hundred bucks. Uh, but of course you must be 21 or older Colorado only bonus comprised of first pause bonus and first bet match each $500 pause bonus crowds 25 X play through and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sports for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.
Guys, we want you to join our fam over at DNVR. Go to ddnvr.com to become part of our family. And not only do you get to leave comments on this pod, but you get member beers when you're at the bar. And by the way, guys, the bar is an awesome place to go, not just on Saturday and Sunday for games, but any time of the week, especially with Nuggets and Avs starting up, uh, you can catch games there. It is such a cool place, the best place to catch a game. I can guarantee you of that. And you also get so many other perks. You can get our Teddy Strut shirt uh, with, with when you sign up for an annual membership. There's so many benefits and you support us, which we really, really appreciate it. So go to thednvr.com, subscribe, and then join our comment section and leave a comment and say hello. All right. Uh, finally, we want to give a shout out to Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Uh, damn good beers all the time from Breckenridge Brewery. We absolutely love them. Beers, seltzers, strawberry sky, vanilla porter, whatever you're thinking, uh, Breck Brew has something for you. So check out our friends over at Breck Brew. All right, let's jump into the comment section. The first one comes from our friend Alaska Press, and he says, my boys, long time, no comment. I hope all is well in the DNVR fam. I'm so glad I moved to Denver because if I was in another city, I wouldn't want to show my face after that bad of a Broncos performance. Yikes. Oh, How does McMahon still have a job? What is your guys' faith level in Shermer? I don't believe in him or his schemes at all, but I'm admittedly a bit of a strategy novice. Thanks for your great content, being a guiding light during rough times for the Broncos. God bless. Go DNVR, the bar, pleasure horse, and Iceman, wherever he may be. I love it. I love it. And you know what? Vic Fangio was asked yesterday, how do you improve special teams? And, you know, why is it that they're just, it's so hard to fix your special teams? And he said, that's a good question. It seems like we get burned one, once a game on special teams. He said, we're working on it. I can promise you we're trying. And, oh, guys, I mean, when the head coach is just admitting, heck, I don't know what to do. Hey, we're, we're trying, and it still seems to burn us. That is just not a good place to be. And Tom McMahon's going to probably get up there and say it's 100% on him, right? Yeah, he's just, I mean – Boy, you got to commend him for falling on the sword, but yikes. It's just not working. But the thing is, what it, what's better? I mean, you, you just going to the next guy down the line. I mean, that's that's the that's the problem here. You're if you promote from within, you're looking at somebody who's never run an entire special teams unit before. I mean, what I think you just have to I think you just have to just ride this out and then and then and then Vic Fangio has to hope that he's the one making the call on a change in the off season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you, Mace. Next one coming in from Fangio Schmangio. Wow. Lads, following on from Ryan's comments about Vic Fangio. I have asked previously and we'll ask again, how many Godfather t-shirts have you sold, especially the last two years? This would give you an a, an accurate gauge on the fans' opinion of Vic. Noted Mace's response of, "If you listen to the fans' opinion, you'll be soon, or you'll be sitting with them soon." But still, there is merit in that. After two and a bit seasons, it's clear to see this posting is too big for him. He tried, he failed miserably. We cried. Let's slip anchor and sail on. Chant it with me. Fangio has to go. Fangio <laughs> has to go. <laughs> wow. it goes on and on with that one um i mean he knows the answer not a lot not a lot of godfather t-shirts um oh. honestly uh coach 
like coach merch just doesn't uh doesn't hit people don't get as excited about the coaches as the players do you yeah think, do you think bill belichick shirts would do well in in new england i think yeah like he has a brand and he's won enough um and it's everlasting the thing is like with coaches people just expect them to get fired like basically well, as soon as things start going bad it's just like oh he'll he'll get fired well the other um, thing also if the coach comes in with some track record of success there's going to be that initial wave of excitement because like when bruce arians got well, there hired was in that tampa, and, and well no but but like when bruce arians got hired in tampa bay some some creative person came up with a shirt that took the bucks old pirate logo and instead did it fashion it like Bruce Arian. So he was wearing the, you know, kind of the flat cap and he had the glasses, but had, but had kind of the, the sword in his teeth and all that. And that sold a lot, but, it, but Bruce Arians had been successful somewhere else as a head coach. He had some, as John Fox would say, skins on the wall. Vic uh, as a head coach had no skins on the wall, still doesn't have any skins on the wall. Yeah. Um, but even, I mean, you could always capitalize off the initial excitement. Like people right. were excited. That's when that shirt sold. And then, you know, once they started losing all their games, they no one wanted it anymore. I've got an idea for, for a uh, head coach shirt that, that might do pretty well. We'd launch it in the Jacksonville area, and it says, send Urban to the Suburbans. Mm, not, you're, you know, <laughs> that's to the like suburbs, a, Suburbans, suburbs. Wow. Just, Urban got confused. Jacksonville say, like, is pretty much a big suburb, though, to begin with. Mm. But it's about firing him. Yeah. Yeah. Urban, man. I don't even Mace, have you ever, ever heard about a coach not going back on the team plane? Uh no. I have I never mean, heard absurd. of that. The, the story that I, I it's, it involves a player, but the story I always think of is back in 1998 when the Broncos are unbeaten, Trell Davis has a plan to and has gotten approval from the team to if they win against the Giants, stay in New York shoot Sesame street late the next day and then fly back to Denver on his own. But the Broncos lose that game to the giants. Tito Paul gets burned. That's a name that old Bronco fans probably don't probably remember and don't want to. And then because they lose TD has to get on the plane, fly back to Denver, <laughs> go through everything on the, on the Monday after a loss, then fly back to New York and shoot Sesame street and all because they lost, but that's accountability guys, right? Yes. That, that, that's accountability. Yeah. And so when you have your head, you, your head coach, you lose a game and your head coach says, Oh, I'm just going to hang around. And by the way, did you see the tweets from urban's uh, wife? Cause she stayed up there with him. Oh no, and- I did not. Anyway, so at the time Urban is out with the infamous video and photo and, and photos that have surfaced, Urban's wife, who uh, her Twitter feed is something else because there's a lot of anti-vaccine stuff, she's at home with the grandkids. Ooh, didn't she say something like he deserves oh, a night yeah. out or something? Yes, she did. She <laughs> tweeted out like she deserves a night night out. Oh my god! Oh, oh, oh he had a nice oh. night He's out. Ha- he is having like the. I don't know. This might be the worst week of, of self-inflicted wounds that any head coach has ever had. And then we see the stuff today that, you know, he's, he, he didn't meet with a team. He met with individual position groups and then he left the, those position group meetings and the players were laughing at him. Listen, oh, if there's this is any, awful. if there's anybody who understands exactly what you were doing when you were out at a bar and you shouldn't have been with a girl that you probably shouldn't have been, 
it's NFL players. You cannot BS them on this. <laughs> like they, whether they've been a part of it or they've seen it from their teammates, these guys knew exactly what was happening. Him trying to lie to them about it is one of the most wild. Like it shows me how little he understands. Honestly, he would have been much, much, much better off going in there and been like, Hey, you guys know how it goes. Like, you know, had a couple lost my, you know, lost my train of thought a little bit. Um, but yeah. I'm sorry. And what, like, that's actually a better course of action than going in and be like, yeah, guys, I don't know what happened. Uh, I was just there and, you know, some random girl just started dancing on me and I didn't know what to do. And Isn't that somehow, his story? Isn't that what he's been saying? Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and like, you know, I don't know how uh, how he's explaining how his hand got halfway up her crotch, but, you know. <laughs> Uh, maybe that was it was just an accident he slipped Uh, so it's just he he doesn't get it he's he's gotta go like they're just wasting their time two weeks ago they basically issued an apology after the Broncos smacked them all over the field and said like we'll do anything and everything we can to get this right meanwhile you're not even flying back on the team plane like just pretend you care a little bit get on the team plane fly all the way back grab yourself a private jet and go back to Columbus. Just ugh, the so, the sooner they just get him out of there. Everyone admits this was a mistake. Move on and let Daryl Bevel coach out the season as the interim head coach. Sooner they do this, the better. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Seriously, yeah. it is bad. Next one Next coming one. in from oh. Count. Or sorry, Mace, it's you. Yep, from Count Bridgela, who says, "Bad one." Yeah, the count has vanished. Go forth and treat each other with respect and dignity. Be kind above all else. I've loved my time with you all. Never put the rhetoric of ideas over actual people. You only get one shot at this, at least this time around. I love you all and hope to see you on the trail somewhere. Love the count. It's a bummer. I hope the count will uh, will come back around one day. I certainly hope so too. I mean, couldn't, uh, couldn't thank him enough for all the great comments over the years and the support and, uh, uh, just that just you know, laughs yep and yep. and being being our count that that yep. we uh that we loved yeah next one's from butch cassidy he says i don't know what you guys saw but after rewatching this madness i saw the whole team stop playing after teddy went out everyone it's a huge statement on how everyone feels about drew and if you're just going to throw in the towel every time he has to go in trade him be done with it this team in the organization doesn't believe in him to even be a backup hero and in my estimation has mishandled him Send him to Indy or Pittsburgh or Atlanta or whatever. Grab a draft pick and let Teddy take us wherever we go. Which after yesterday is looking like just over 500 for the 17th overall pick. And around and around we go. Mm, so, guys, I mean, do you think the Broncos could look into trading Drew uh, before the trade deadline? Honestly, like, I would have said no freaking way a week ago. But I don't disagree with butch cassidy that much i don't know where this went wrong because i've always felt like drew's teammates really liked him and i don't know if potentially he's he's mishandled things ever and again i'm not making any accusations i'm just speaking out loud here i don't know if he's mishandled things since he didn't get the job or if he hasn't been quite as present or what but maybe it was just coincidence and they just had lost hope already i don't know there was no hope out there they just didn't look like a team who thought, oh, man, Drew's, you know, Drew could complete one big pass down the field and, and you know, we'll be right back in this game. It just – it looked like a team who said, all right, well, let's uh, let's get this thing over with. It felt like the worst moments of last year 
in that second half, to be honest with you. Um, Cause there was that hope before, like I think fans kind of felt it and certainly could see it on social media before he came out there. But then you had that for that first series and it was just like, Oh, this is, you know, that the pass rush is coming. He's struggling it to escape it. It just, it, uh, for, for whatever reason, I, I think there are significant uh, tactical and uh, matchup reasons why Drew Locke and the offense continue to struggle in the second half. But um, I know that there have been, there have been a lot of pointed comments uh, talking about the perception of a lack of effort. I really don't, that's really something that's dangerous to kind of get into because you know, sometimes guys can maybe look like they're not giving effort when they're just kind of frustrated and they still are. And so that that's something that I really don't want to engage in if, if at all possible, but yeah, it, it just, for whatever reason, it wasn't there. That being said, he's still a better quarterback than Brett Rippon. And if Teddy's injury history rears its ugly head again, you're going to need, you're going to need Drew Locke to come in at some point. So that's why I would be reluctant to trade him. I just, is he better? Is he better than Brett as a backup? I think it's a fair question mm-hmm. to ask. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure. Uh, Unlimited right reps, now, I, yeah. I think Brett may be the guy that that has just practiced for this more in terms of coming off the bench. So it, he, Brett may be the better option. I don't remember what Brett was like at Boise. Was he like a four-year starter or two-year starter? I can't remember. Uh, but he, he was a mini-year starter. Yeah, but wasn't he? Wasn't there a point where he was like splitting time with uh, someone like someone else? Wasn't like Ryan Finley there for a little bit at the same time before he transferred to NC State? I mean, some, I don't know something. Yeah, there, it, there there was some there was some not weird stuff, but there was like a there was a time sharing thing for a while. And actually, I'm going back and I don't think this is cheating. I'm just getting the information here. I'm just looking back at. Uh, at Rippon, I mean, he he did he did start games over the course of four years, and he never had and he never had fewer than uh, three hundred and forty eight attempts in a season for Boise State. Okay, so he's so, not really a, a season backup, other than just knowing that that was his role from the right. moment he got into the NFL. Yeah, like like in twenty seventeen, Montel Cozart threw nearly a hundred passes and and actually had a was more efficient than Brett Rippon was that year, and that was his junior season. So, I mean, he, he was the guy, he was the guy for most of his time there. And you, for Finley, you got to go back to 2015 and, and Rippon had m- many more snaps than Finley did that year. So basically, yeah, basically he was the guy for four years. All right. Next one's from Illinois Bronco. What up fellas posted a comment a little late yesterday, but just wanted to say, thank you. You guys made my first game in Denver one for the books. What a great community. It was surreal to be able to meet with you guys and other fans and talk football. I honestly can't say this enough. I appreciate everything you guys do. Man, that is so cool. And loved meeting you, Illinois Bronco. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, an absolute pleasure meeting Illinois Bronco and so many others uh, who came and Pismo Beach Broncos. And like, there's just so many that it's by far my favorite new thing. We have the tailgate. Of course, two years ago, but it was kind of far away from the stadium. Not as many people could make it. We didn't have, obviously, the bar where people could go back after or the party bus. Um, and we were able to meet people, and that was awesome. But the the volume in which we're getting to meet members of the community is so exciting. Like, every Sunday morning, I'm just like, oh, man, I can't wait to see who's there this time. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, um, 
uh pig tosser got to meet him and his son uh, this weekend as well they both got matching broncos tattoos the night before so cool looks and great too yes they did and, and like you said ryan it is so cool to meet and, and put faces to this awesome community next one's from melvin bronco hey guys sometimes an incident like harbaugh's final play in the press conference to and fro players come together even more the headshot on teddy works the same this defense needs to get a little nasty and send a message to everyone. You heard our guy will hurt you. Time to go all Romanowski on everyone. Cheers. Uh, slippery slope in the player safety era. But uh, I would like to see a little more backbone um, just from the Broncos in general. Your quarterback gets hit in the mouth. Someone should shove someone. Uh, Is that Garrett Bowles? Yes. On offense? Except yep. he's going to get, you know, then he's going to get a 15-yard penalty. And I'm going to be mad at him for that. I, I won't be. I vow to not be if he protects his quarterback. Okay, so if they have 15-yard penalties for, you know, discipline-type stuff, I mean, are you're okay with that if that's about kind of defending your guy? If you're defending your guy, absolutely. Okay. I mean, is there a limit on how many of these penalties you can have? I mean, if, if this yes. – because, I mean, it, <laughs> I, I just want to make sure that this isn't like – 98 Broncos Chiefs where the Chiefs are taking 15 yard penalties all the way down the field and giving the Broncos a touchdown. I, I mean, you know, th there's a, there's a point where this has, where I, there's a point where this sort of thing becomes counterproductive is what I'm saying. Totally. But you know, Aqib Tlaib nearly ripped off Philly Brown's head in the first quarter of the Super Bowl, and later came back and said like, yeah, I wanted to send a message. Um, I, I don't necessarily, uh, condone the action but i understand the message that he was trying to send this one's a little different this is like your quarterback he's supposed to be your leader you know, he, he's he's so much their leader that they looked lost without him so when he gets hit squarely in the middle of the face mask mm -hmm. someone should say something about it more so there's so many people mad on the broncos sideline that they you know they just got uh, danced on by lamar jackson to give up that play meanwhile everyone on the field just kind of stood there and looked shocked for a second i'd like to see someone there you know do some jawing get in someone's face a little bit i just there's there's a fine line between like you don't want to play dirty but you also just can't let you can't get walked all over well and, and let's take that one step further not just the guys that were on that field for that last play but how about guys that were on the field at any point in the game on offense or defense uh, being pissed about it. And again, I love what Kareem said yesterday. He said, I want I don't want to talk about that play. Uh, I want to talk about all the plays before in which we struggled and they beat us. And that's kind of the mentality that I want from this team. And heck, maybe, maybe this will, will unify the team, specifically the defense to play real pissed against the Steelers and not take that. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I just keep coming back to the fact that like Vic Fangio thinks it's BS that John Harbaugh ran that play. And I think it's BS that his team was unprepared and unmotivated. There you go. There you go. Next one coming in from love thunder down under. He says, gentlemen, aren't we missing the beeping point a little with some of this analysis of the game? We being Broncos country Raven scored 23 is right in the sweet spot of where, what was reasonable expected. Most score predictions with Denver winning had the Ravens at right around 23. Pretty sure includes that you find gents. Yes, it did. Any of us have them in the 20s? I had them 23. I had Broncos 24, Ravens 23. I had 21 on the Ravens. So, okay. Good right. job. So I was the only one who exactly right. Had them oh, uh, yeah. 17. It was only, 
was only massively wrong on the Broncos offense, though. He said that 23 points was scored in a game where the Broncos kicked 10 punts, one interception and one touchdown. Ravens had more time and opportunity than we would have been uh, than we would have been on offer had the Broncos actually put a drive together, let alone score 23 points. The defense basically outperformed expectations. Is that fair? Well, I'd say for me, the defense, uh, I think in Ryan's book, the defense failed and Mace's book, the deep, well, not failed, but didn't live up to it. And then in my book, it was spot on. He he makes a good point that the offense being so bad, if we'd known before the game, the Broncos were going to punt 10 times, we probably would have said they would give up more points. Right. I see what he's saying. He says the offense. Oh dear. I think if Teddy stays in, we get an extra touchdown and field goal, but he definitely wasn't looking great, but let's chill all the beep out. Bad games happen. Let's get healthy and let's get a win in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, I actually agree with him. And, and again, it goes back to something I said. The first thing I said when Zach walked into the studio on Sunday after the game, I was like, how many times does it feel like the defense was bad and somehow they gave up a great number? And it's usually because the offense was so bad that our expectations throughout the game for the defense just got higher and higher and higher. Oh, you need another stop. Oh, you need another stop. Oh, you need another stop. And eventually they just wear down. So I get it. Um, I also think there were some just schematic issues on defense. And, and I think they had a hard time adjusting to the fact that Lamar was totally cool with just sitting in the pocket and picking them apart from there. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and that's, again, getting back to playing a normal, quote unquote, offense this week. Uh, you really hope that, that that helps both the pass rush and the pass defense. Next one from the Appalachian, the Appalachian Duke. He says, you got me the Apple Ash. Oh, yeah. The Appalachian Duke. Appalachian. Yep. Appalachian Duke. He says lifelong Broncos fan and longtime fan of the pod grew up in black forest, Colorado, but moved to the mountains of North Carolina 15 years ago. I'm coming out there for the Washington game and want to join the tailgate bus. Didn't want to do it as a freeloader. Already got my sweet DNBR swag and love it. Well, we got him. I love Mm -hmm. to hear it. Welcome aboard the Duke. He says, uh, do you think this team has found its identity yet this season? We have been lost in the world of suck for so long that I'm not sure. What do y'all think? First of all, thanks so much for joining the family. We really appreciate you, uh, Appalachian Duke. Do we think they have found their identity this season? Uh, I don't. Um, I do think that they were on to something a little bit there where like Teddy kind of had the passing game going. It was efficient. Um, and, and then they were able to play great defense, but they, that, that all, you know, came crashing down this last week. So we have to see them do it against good teams. I think there's definitely some, they just, they have to be able to protect a little bit better to allow the passing game to, to work. Because again, what did, was it the uh, Jets? That was the Jets game where Teddy was taking shots down the field, right? Or was that the Jags? Jags. Well, Okay. Ja- the Jags game. I mean, there were. I mean, there were shots down the field yeah, against yeah. the Giants too, because he had the the attempt to KJ Hamler that was dropped. But yeah, but mostly the Jags. Against game. the Jags, their plan was get after Teddy and take away the short passing game, and then you, he won't have anywhere to go. Well, the Broncos were able to protect well enough that Teddy was able to get to the intermediate and deep passing game a lot, and it looked awesome. In this last game. The Ravens said, okay, well, we're just going to do the same thing. We'll just be a lot better at it. And they were right. Um, They were able to take away short stuff, come hard, and disrupt the passing game 
over and over and over again, and, it, and it, there was no rhythm there. So it was it, it, they don't have an identity until they can prove that they can pivot from that. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And winning creates identities. Winning creates you. the identities you want. I know exactly <laughs> what you're smirking about over there. Um. <laughs> you're on a roll, though. I don't want to stop you, especially you're going hard. <laughs> All right, next one's from Denberg. Hey, guys, I know Mace has spoken about fan apathy before and it being dangerous territory, but I think I'm headed there, if not there already. What a Weird time to get there. They're three I and one. Yeah. <laughs> I still love the team and watch every game, but I'm finding myself less invested in coverage during the week and the individual performances of players I like excites me more than the final result. This isn't even a response to the Ravens game. Even throughout the 3-0 start, I was happier to see Sutton have a career day or Vaughn get his first sack more so than the team winning those games. I think it's getting to the point where a win over the Chiefs might be the only thing that can get me to emotionally invest in the team again. What do y'all think? I, I guess oh, wow. I do – understand just a little bit just because the Broncos are just in a weird position right now um where those wins again were were kind of they didn't feel all that great and the loss felt really bad um and they're just in the in this position where you're looking at a very daunting task in front of you I don't think it should it should cause apathy but I can understand why there's he's maybe you know feeling more invested in the players um I'll, I'll just say football is funny in the way that, that it, you know, can reward your fandom at times. Um, so you always got to be ready for it. And maybe the Broncos do, you know, do get that win over the chiefs this year. I don't think that's out of the question. Yeah. I but mean, you hope it's not the week, the week 18 game, right? If the no. chiefs uh, are resting their, their starters. I mean that, and which could happen. Maybe the, there's probably less of a chance of that than the season started. Yes, but, uh, definitely. And then if you beat them and they're at full strength, then it's going to mean something. But I mean, I would also say this, I mean, there are, there are a lot of games along the way that are going to stamp this team as relevant if they can find a way to win them. So, I mean, I kind of, I kind of get where Dan Burke is coming from, even though I kind of scoffed and said, Hey, well, they're still three and one, but after the last few years, I can kind of see that because human nature is going to say, Oh, they're the same old Broncos, same old Broncos. And yet to me, there are games that could, that could alter that perception. I think if they, if they beat Cleveland on the road, and that's going to be a very tough game, if they beat Cleveland on the road, I would, I would hope that would alter percept people's perception. If they beat Dallas on the road, same thing that ought to, that ought to alter what people think and get people to buy in. It's to me, it's not just about the chiefs game. If the Raiders win this week, then beating the Raiders at home next week would be huge. And then if the Chargers stay as good as they've looked and you beat them at home coming after the bye, that'll be a huge win. But guys, the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes is, is still is as good as ever. They have the second best scoring offense in the NFL, averaging 33 and a half points per game. Their defense is atrocious. They have the second worst scoring defense in the NFL giving up 31.3 points per game. That defense is so bad. Yeah, they gave up 30 to the Eagles, who, I mean, just the week before, what, what was the score of that game against the Cowboys? Like 38-13, and the week before yeah. that, uh, yeah. they lost 17-7, um, to I believe, to the 49ers. So, 
Uh, yeah, the Eagles definitely... have the 17th best offense, so a bottom 15 offense averaging 23.5 points per game. And that's after they put up 30, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. right, na- exactly. right now, guys, the Chiefs are second in scoring offense and they're 31st in scoring defense. Yep. Yeah. So literally, like, they're at 2-2 two and two with the second best offense, the second worst scoring defense. They're kind of right where they should be if you think about it. Yeah, I think you can definitely get into a position with them where you can kind of control the game. It's just you can also get into a position with them very quickly where they control the game and then you're in trouble. Right. And um, they still but look, I think yeah. Sorry. Sorry. They still they still have Buffalo, they still have Green Bay, they still have Dallas and all the division games except the Charger game already played looming. I mean, if the Chiefs don't fix their defense, guys, there are lost there are more losses coming for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you don't want any losses coming for you, you got to check out our friends over at Manscaped hey. it's football season. You know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of that uh, today's show. Uh, Blitzing through hairs has never been easier. And it's time you join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code DNVR at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, it's three and out the window with all of our other trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. Got to check out our friends over at Manscaped. It's not only just the Manscaped uh, uh, lawnmower 4.0. That's such a great product. It's all the additional products that come in the perfect package 4.0. So check out that. Get in on all their other products. They've even got stuff for like foot odor. Basically anything that you need uh, to make li- like women not think you're gross. Manscaped has it. So check out oh, manscaped.com. Yeah. Use the code DNVR to get 20% off. And speaking of perfect packages, I'll let Mace tell you about ball, but I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Solace Meds and Guys. They've got, I mean, incredible packages waiting for you because they've got smoking hot deals this month. They have so much going on over at Solace Meds. You got to check them out. And if you go there, and use the code DNVR20, you'll get 20% off plus a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you go there. And also, they have four Colorado locations, so you can go into the stores and use the code DNVR20. But you can also go to solacemeds.com and purchase from there. That's S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com and purchase online and use that code DNVR20 to get 20% off and a free Solace Bar or King Cone. So I'll also tell you about ball, of course. Zach saying Julie can tell you a lot about ball as well. And uh, did she have a good day working at ball yesterday, Zach? I'm sure she did, Mace. Uh, all right. Yeah, there are a lot of good days that you have working at ball, as in the new ball arena, as in the aerospace technology company, as in the world's largest aluminum packaging manufacturer. And part of the reason is that ball has been practicing diversity and inclusion for years. Other companies talk about it as an ideal Ball makes it happen every day. Their culture of belonging has been noticed by the human rights campaign and ball has a corporate equality index score of 100%. So your background, whatever it is, will not prevent you from succeeding there. It's all about your hard work and commitment and you're free to be your authentic self when you work at ball. And once you work at ball, there are lots of groups to join and represent your unique background. If you want to meet people, reach new career heights and get support, ball supports groups like the Society of Women Engineers and many others. So you can lead in your own space and become unstoppable at ball. 
So here's what you do. If you want to be part of something big going on at Ball's Plant over in Golden, text GOLDEN to 77222, and you'll be linked to open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN or simply text GOLDEN to 77222 to be unstoppable at Ball. Unstoppable. Ooh, I think that was a missed opportunity in the script there. Yeah. Impressive. Sometimes you got to do a little improv, you know what nah. I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, the next one's from the Mud Dogs. <laughs> Fellas, I haven't commented in a while. I hope the season is treating you well. I wanted to share two thoughts and see where you guys go with it. One, Pat Shermer. I thought he was doing a really good job with the play calling for the first three weeks. I noticed national media noticing the same, but when Drew Locke gets in the game, it's horrible. I don't get it. It makes me think back to the rumors about Pat Shermer cutting the playbook when Locke is in. Do you think Fangio or do you think Shermer has done a good job? Oh, it was bad before Drew Locke came in on yeah. on Sunday. They, they were going they they started going away from the run in the second quarter. They were going away from the the short slants because there was some rhythm being established with some of those short slants early in the game, and then Shermer kind of went away from that at times. So I don't think it was a Drew Lock Teddy thing. I think it was just a he lost the plot thing. <laughs> Pardon me, early in the game. Whoa, that was a juicy one. I'll be right back. Okay. uh, (laughs) uh, I think that... (laughs) I think that, uh, honestly... uh, One moment, please. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's good stuff. Um, I think that it's easy to look good against bad teams and really hard to look good against good teams. It's, you know, that's kind of the theme of the day today. Um, but I will say I was really disappointed this last weekend and it's not just with drew, but it is very clear that Pat Shermer does not know how to call plays for drew Locke's skill set. Um, I know, you know, I'm not trying to be a drew lock apologist or anything like that, but there's an obvious difference between the way Drew Locke looked when Rich Gangarello was calling plays for him and the way he looks when Pat Shermer is calling plays for him. It doesn't work for whatever reason. The two guys just don't jive. It, it, it should have maybe been – it should have maybe framed my um, feelings about the quarterback competition more than it did. Um, but after knowing how the quarterback competition played out, and again, this is not saying that Drew was better than Teddy or anything like that, but after knowing how the quarterback competition played out and then seeing that on Sunday, it was just like so obvious. Like Drew was never going to win the job. The two guys just don't mesh. Yeah, um, yeah, they, they don't click, and it's very, very obvious, Ryan. Right, and then uh, but aside from all of that, the, the game plan was not good, and those just happen. So, you know, I'm willing to give Pat Shermer a break in the same way that I'm willing to give the Broncos a break. Both Pat Shermer and the Broncos are 3-1. and one. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back, what he does with Teddy, if, he, if it is Teddy on a short week, if for whatever reason Drew plays, can, he, can someone convince him somewhere to create a Drew Locke pr- a positive game plan to get them through one week? I don't know. Um, so I, I'm – cautiously i don't even i don't even know like you're cautiously pessimistic yeah i think that's i was gonna say what's like on the other side of cautiously (laughs) optimistic i'm cautiously pessimistic i i he built up some goodwill with me because i thought he did call some really good game plans in those first three games unfortunately i i think that was an easy task so 
we'll see what happens. We'll see if he can uh, can get back on track this week against uh, not another not good team, but against a team that is now coming in with a blueprint. Here's how you stop the Broncos. Can you mm-hmm. come up with a, a game plan that counters that? And can you stick with what works, whether it's the run game, RPO, screens, all that stuff? You know, just you don't always have to try and make the move before the before the defense adjusts. Make the defense adjust sometimes. Do you think that maybe some of this, and by the way, I apologize for having to step away. Sometimes you need a tissue right there with you, and I didn't have it. So, <laughs> but... Boy. Do you think also, I mean, not to make excuses here, but the fact that you're without your two starting guards and you're without your, your two fastest receivers, do you think that that inevitable, that that's also making things a lot harder for Shermer here? Because you because you can't protect your quarterback for as long with all the issues up front and you can't, and you, you lack the vertical speed threat to force the linebackers and safeties to play you honest. Well, and also, I mean, it's it's going to be very telling if if Drew has an entire week to prepare both for him and Pat Shermer, and he plays this week and looks just as bad. Then that's going to be a, a, a big black eye on both of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, just cross your fingers that that it, it it will be Teddy again for for the reasons of he's he's shown he's better than Drew Locke uh, throughout the competition and obviously to start the season. But also because it is so clear that that Pat Shermer and Drew Locke will not succeed together. Um, next one's from Pig Tosser sixty six. If that was the first test of the season, then the Broncos are the college kids that had every intention of studying. Somehow ended up at the bar until two in the morning. The results were not good. Um, <laughs> we for sure now know that we aren't yet a top team, but we're going to find out exactly what we are in the next two weeks. Really quick story. Um, uh, this isn't meant to be a flex, but like in high school, I was someone who didn't necessarily need to like study hard or whatever, try hard to like get decent test scores and pass. Ah, classes. Cause you're smart. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And so then uh, I get to college and my first midterm comes around and at CU and gosh, what was that class called? Something, something technology. I don't, I don't remember what it was uh, science of technology or something along those lines and didn't study just normal you know normal uh, approach that I had to test taking and I remember sitting next to one of my good buddies and looking down at the first page of questions looking down at it looking at him looking down at it looking back at him and we both just started cracking up because it literally looked like I felt like I was reading something in a different language I <laughs> I had no idea and it wasn't multiple choice it was all like like just little blank spots so you had to write something in there I've never felt more helpless in my life I hadn't I was like I don't I don't know any I don't know the answer to any question on this um and so I had to uh I had to quickly learn that college was not going to be quite as easy as <laughs> happens I I to a, everybody. I think I got a twenty-three percent, so eh, better than zero. Yeah, that I, I I once literally one time got like a zero on a test because I uh so I I, w- I was away for doing college trips my senior senior year of high school. I come back on the day of my birthday. And I'm like, there's no way this teacher is going to make me take this test the day I get back on my birthday. So I'm like, you know, I'll just I'll just study. Uh, I think it was a Friday, too. So I'm like, I'll just study for it over the weekend. And it was a book test. It was a it was a like you had to read a book and then you take a test on it. 
And I was yeah, like, there's yeah. no way she's going to make me take this test. And she made me take the test and I had not read one page of the book. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I, I sat there for five minutes trying to think of how in the world I can fill out this entire test. And I just went up to her and said, I, I can't do this. And fortunately, somehow it only dropped my grade a couple of percentage points. It didn't impact me at all. But uh, yeah, that was maybe like the most horrified I've ever been taking a test. Yeah. I, in high school, kind of the same thing. It was, and I remember the book, The House of the Spirits, Isabel Allende. I was not a fan of magical realism, nor am I still a fan of magical realism. And uh, I got through I about three. Into that. Well, not me. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, um, a book Magical realism is what I feel you bring to this pot. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Maybe I've just kind of grown into it. But it, at the age of 17, it was not my bag. And I uh, I read the first three chapters. And then I did like just read the spark notes for the rest of the book. And uh, it was one of the it, this was one of those teachers who made sure that the uh, the examination on said book would not include anything that you could get in the in the uh, cliff notes or things like that. Uh, and yes. I got a I got a good solid 37. <laughs> mm. <laughs> impressive oh um, i just yeah. didn't like the book i mean if we now i mean there were other books that year that were that were great i mean because we were we did some like uh you know we, we were kind of doing world literature type stuff and uh stuff that was translated in the english language and you know some of them i really enjoyed but that one ugh, didn't I, I just couldn't I, I i had you know how they say i couldn't put the book down I had to put the book down. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pig Tosser 66 finishes here by saying, on the positive side, the DNVR game day experience was absolutely incredible. A plus, fellas. So glad I came to town for the game and got to hang with everyone. Enjoy talking with RK, Zach, Hank, Illinois, Bronco, and so many more great people at the tailgate. The game wasn't what we wanted, but that game day experience eases the overall sting of the loss a bit. We'll be back to see you guys very soon. I promise you that. A few game comments. Javante is a bad, bad man. Please, for the love of God, give him the rock more. We seem to have a young playmaker with a nose for the ball and Stearns. We sorely miss Jerry Judy later, fellas. So glad you made it out. So glad you did the full DNVR game day experience, which I feel like we should maybe just call it that. As yeah, a whole. I love it. Um, because it it's something that I've been talking about since we came up with the idea to do this. You spend so much money to go to a game. Uh, and it's not all like it, it, it's such an expensive venture that you want to make a whole day out of it. Um, and I think we've done a pretty good job of only adding a little bit more cost to hopefully add a lot more of the experience. So, you know, you'll really go, if you want to, the experience can really last you from 10 AM to 10 PM going all the way through Sunday night football. If you hang around at the bar, which I know a lot of people have done after they get back on the bus, uh, which I just feel like helps, uh, you know, I have a lot of experience with traveling for football games that don't go the way that you want um, with the buffs. And when you're able to kind of get a full day out of it and feel like you at least, you know, had a lot of fun and did a lot of cool things and met some cool people and had some cool experiences, it makes it feel a lot better than thinking like, wow, did I really just spend 500 bucks to watch my team get wrecked? Um, that that's never as fun. So you know, if you uh, if you spend 530 bucks and your team gets wrecked, but you met a bunch of cool people and did some cool things and went to some cool places and had a lot of fun, it feels a lot better in my experience. So I'm glad you got to do it. <laughs> yeah, and it was so cool to meet you and your son, uh, Pig Tosser 66. Can't wait to meet even more people. Sounds like we got some people rolling out for the Raiders game.
last one I want to add on his comment, which got, got a lot of attention here. Mm-hmm. Um, Caden Stearns, did you see the snap count? Seven. Oh my gosh, yeah. Seven snaps, he had two sacks and a PBU. Incredible. That's like got to be the best pr- production percentage in the whole league this year or this this week, <laughs> that, maybe the uh, year. Don't really know how you yeah. beat it. It's incredible. Yep. Lionel Hutz, attorney at law. Gentlemen, what happens first? We give another special team touchdown or we score a touchdown on opening drive. What is the streak up to now of no <sighs> touchdown and opening drive? 23 games or something? Something like that. It, it goes back to 2019, right? Yes. Yeah. And to add insult to injury, Mrs. Quill said, or does Tebow sign with an MLS team first? Oh God, no! Don't don't ruin that for me, please. Uh, I would say that we that that the Broncos will score a touchdown on an opening drive before another special team touchdown. Yes. Oh boy, I hope so. I hope so. It's got to be easier to score on an opening drive than it is on a, on a uh, give up a special team touchdown, right? Yeah, I, I would definitely. say so. I mean. Like there, there are what only four kickoff returns allowed for touchdowns in the last two years, and the Broncos have given up two of them. Oh, brutal! Man. It's, Crazy. Uh, oh, just you know what? I'm gonna be optimistic. They're gonna they're gonna get a touchdown in the first series this week at Heinz Field. Wow! <laughs> you didn't say I'm it with pro- much conviction at I'm all. Your call- voice is I'm calling call- off at the end. I'm calling. Look, I, I'm gonna call my shot, and this is just maybe this is just sort of blind belief. No matter who the quarterback is. Broncos are going to score on their first series. That is very blind belief if you don't even know who the quarterback is, but I, I love it, Mace. I love it. Okay. I can't, I'm trying to think of reasons to be optimistic here because of my general dread about them going to face a Steelers team that is basically in a last stand game at home. I mean, I've, I've got to get these visions of the uh, crowd pulsating with energy, trying to rally their home troops as renegade blasts over the speakers in the fourth quarter in just an intimidating atmosphere. I've got to, I'm trying to think of reasons that the Broncos can succeed in this environment. So a good start will help. Mile high Buckeye. He says, my boys, this is a cool one. Just drive back in Columbus last night and have to say, besides the game, I had a blast out in Denver. The bus and the tailgate were a blast, and it was great to meet both Zach and RK after the podcast wrap. The food at the DNVR is excellent. I had both the Bronco Burger and the club sandwich. My DNVR merch was waiting in the mail when I got home, and I must say the DNVR trucker hat is one of the only snapback hats that fits my head. To anyone listening, and this is in all caps, the DNVR trucker hat is big head approved. I'm looking forward to going to the game in Pittsburgh this week. Hopefully Teddy can play and we run the ball more than four times in the second half. Cheers, fellas, Alex, Alex. It was awesome to meet you. So happy you came up and watched our live pod. And guys, Alex is trying to see the Broncos in every single stadium. So he's out to clean or he's out to Pittsburgh this week. Okay. Yes, and he I said like he it. hates Pittsburgh. Uh, so he's enduring one for the squad this week. <laughs> uh, hopefully. What does he, he hate about Pittsburgh? It's a nice town. I think he said that, like, got a lot of family there, and they always talk a bunch of junk about the Steelers. Oh, okay. and, all and he's stuff. a Columbus guy, so. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, you know how it goes. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, the DNVR trucker hat. You know, it's a, it's a, it's not really a, a, a classic trucker hat with, like, the foam front. Right. It's more of a, I don't know, like a, a breathable snapback. Um, what I will say about it, it's the only hat I've ever seen that just looks good on everyone. Uh, it really like does. Oh, certain hats, just certain people can't pull off. I know there's ones that I certainly can't pull off, 
And for whatever reason, every time I've ever seen someone put that hat on, I'm like, man, that looks great on you. Um, so it has some magic in it. I don't know what it is. Next one's from C. Fillimore, 72. Greetings from the UK, my good men. Great to see Javante Williams picking up the GMFB angry run scepter this week. Yes, mate, fully deserved. Can I just say, mm-hmm. Kyle Brandt is so good at his job. Yes. Like, uh, you know, I don't have as much time to consume as much media from other people and, you know, inspirations as I wish I did. But my God, every time I see a clip from him, I am so entertained. He just, he's so good at getting into character and just playing the role and absolutely nails it. I have a, I have a lot of admiration for him. Yeah. You got to go find the clip of him giving it to Javante Williams this week. He's fallen on the floor, rolling around, swiping his saber. <laughs> it's, it, he's really good. And it's really over the top where if it was delivered in the wrong way, you might roll your eyes, but somewhat for so, somehow he just, the way he does it cracks me up every single time. So, <laughs> yeah. so what's the best sports show on television and why is it good morning football? Man, there's, yeah. uh, there's, some good ones out there but at least for the way that i like to consume sports the, yeah. they are really tough to beat. really yeah. tough. like the, have you seen them when they do the wall streeters segment yes mm-hmm. i mean but it's got they have the best chemistry of any of any yeah. sports show on television i think and that's ultimately for all that you can put into it if the hosts don't click on a national show like that it doesn't work on any show yeah yeah, it's you can try and try and try without that. It's not going to fly whenever something is beloved. You can always point to the chemistry and to, as to yeah. why yeah. Uh, the NBA on TNT, all of those shows. It's always about these people seem like they get along and, and laugh and have fun, you know. I totally agree. And last one, guys, coming in from Mrs. Quill says, shouldn't Shermer catch more heat for only running four times in the second half when averaging over six yards per carry made life harder on lock too? Well, here's one thing I will say. Don't mention yards per carry ha! or stats about running backs to Vic Fangio. He, uh, I, I tried to throw him a softball yesterday, guys, just lobbed one up for him. About you know the running game statistically was pretty good. What did he think of it? And he says statistically the running game was bad. Don't ask me about that. Pretty much what he said. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, again, I said this to you guys yesterday. I haven't gone through every run yet, but usually, you know, we should actually start um, charting runs from like a mean, median type of way. That way you can actually see was it all skewed by an outlier. But mm-hmm. I would guess if you go back and look at this week's, it's really not that skewed by outliers. And I told you guys, I looked at the last, the last four, the four runs in the second half, mm-hmm. 12, 10, eight, and one. So the outlier there is the one yard carry. Um, it was really surprising. And, and I feel like he said, should, or Miss, Mrs. Quill said, should, should he uh, be catch, catching more heat? I feel like I gave him a lot of heat for it. Um, unfortunately, when you're losing, most people will let you off the hook. I even saw someone said like, why are people going after him for not running down four? They're down 13 in the fourth quarter. I still think you can run the ball down 14 in the third quarter, you know, or in the fourth quarter. Now, eventually, I think we've said it before. Like once it goes under about six, maybe five minutes, that's when you truly have to abandon the run entirely, but you can definitely mix in more than four, runs in the second half with a backup quarterback in a two score game you absolutely should 
absolutely <laughs> should. That that uh, that's just crazy because they were only down ten points coming out of halftime. Yep, exactly. We do have two more here that came in under the buzzer. Oh, buzzer beaters. Uh, and, you know, I'm liking this show, so we're going to hit them. Um, toxic Vic Fangio. I'm back, guys. I'm just not that great of a head coach. Myself and the staff have no clue how to use this roster. But once we mess up our game plan for Pittsburgh, I'll start packing my things. Love the coverage and the tailgate last week was awesome. I came into la- uh, town last minute for the Jets game and couldn't pass a chance uh, to be at the tailgate. The media here in Louisville was all over Teddy versus Lamar all week. Kind of nice to see the Broncos get some love here in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Keep up the great work and love all that you do for the fans. I love to hear it. Love to hear it. And Teddy should be getting love nationally because he is balling. So if Vic Fangio was at the tailgate, I guess Urban Meyer wasn't the only one drinking. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a good one. And now last one, I think, guys, coming from Pismo Beach, Bronco 07. Hey, guys, I went to the game and the tailgate. My fiance got the chance to finally meet RK and Allie. It was so awesome. Kind of weird because I feel like I know RK from listening every day. Ha <laughs> ha. Bummed I didn't get to meet Mace or Zach. I saw Zach on the way out, but he was with some people. So it will have to be next time. We'll definitely and never, never be afraid to, uh, to say yeah. hi and come up. Uh, he says game was a bummer, but meeting the DNVR crew was awesome about the game line was bad. Teddy did his best, but just no time to throw, Wish we would have run more quick passing games and some quick slants or shallow routes when they were blitzing. I could tell drew on his first sack. He took was trying to feel up the pocket instead of just bailing and wishing he would have kept trying because after that first pick, I feel like it was old Drew bailing out and throwing inaccurate balls. Hopefully this week brings the team back to earth and they come out hungry. Hope to meet the rest of the crew at the Washington game. Well, I'll definitely be there. Pismo yeah. beach. Can't wait to meet you. Yep. I'll be what there as well. Yeah. What he was, he was trying to feel up the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Hi. I definitely very, read very that. Urban Meyer of him. Very oh urban Meyer. <laughs> Although the, it, it's a good thing that he said bailing because I, I first read it and I thought, feel out the pocket instead of just bawling. And I'm like, Oh boy. Oh boy. This is really not what, (laughs) but with all that, I think Pismo beach makes great points. And we've talked about this, that when this passing offense found rhythm Sunday, whether it was Teddy or drew was the, it was the quick slants, the quick crosses. And when the ball was getting out in 1.7 seconds or fewer, and it, it baffled me that when they did pass, that they didn't focus on this. And obviously, you know, Shermer probably wants to run his offense, blah, blah, blah. We know that Drew Locke, if you get, if you focus on first reads, yes, it probably limits the scope of, of what he can accomplish, but it also gets him comfortable. And wouldn't that have been kind of the wisest course of action with that pass rush to have those first reads ball out quickly, get him into a rhythm a little bit. I mean, that's the critique I have of Pat Shermer guys on this. Yeah, yeah uh, and I agree with you. Do things rhythm. that help your quarterback makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And don't worry about, oh, that we're trying to develop him for the long term. because you basically, you basically said he's not your long-term guy, right? So isn't it about just getting the most out of him right at that moment and playing to what his skill set is right now? Mm-hmm. It's the best thing yep. for the team, and it helps him get some confidence. And remember, though, it's kind of sad to think about, but we talked about this before the season. He said, doesn't Drew have more of a chance of somehow, some way becoming the long-term guy if he's forced in from the bench rather than if he starts the season and fails? And the answer was yes. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, If that's the only opportunity he gets, it obviously was a sad ending. Um, Maybe he gets another one this week and maybe he has a chance to turn it around. But again, I, I just don't think it'll, it's ever going to happen with Pat Shermer calling plays. And that's not all Pat Shermer's fault, but it's just, uh, it is not a symbiotic relationship um, in any really way, shape, or form. All right, guys. I think uh, I think that wraps it up for us here. Um, but speaking of symbiotic relationships, we have a symbiotic relationship with the friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group who will hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray or exam. Hit them up. They are part of the DNVR family. They've supported us for a long time, and we couldn't appreciate them more. Uh, but – that is going to wrap it up for us on the DNVR Broncos podcast, an audio only version throwback. I thought it was a great one guys. Uh, And we appreciate you all for listening. We'll catch you tomorrow. Flying cotton